This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me for this very special mini-sode is Nick White. Hey. Thanks for joining me, Nick. I'm very excited today because we are talking about... I guess we're continuing down the path of the Ice Cream Man series. And today we're talking about this little one-shot that came out pretty recently, which is the Quarantine Comics one-shot. It's comprised of six stories by Maxwell Prince, Martin Morazzo, um, and Chris O'Halloran with... Four little one-off stories by Declan Shelby, Dennis Camp, um, with Chris O'Halloran, I guess, and Artyom Tomplin with Aditya Bidikar, L. Ewing, and P.J. Holden, and Christopher Cantwell, Eoin Marin, and Chris O'Halloran. Chris O'Halloran's all over this book. But yeah, Nick, this is a a really interesting one-shot because it kind of obviously came out of nowhere because of the... because of the quarantine that was set across the United States for the most part during this COVID pandemic that we're still technically in. Um, But, you know, when the entire world shut down, including the comics industry, like this kind of came out of left field. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about the background on this book beyond that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So um, they first began publishing these mini comics. Uh, They started rolling them out. The first one came out on Thursday, April 2nd, uh, 2020. Uh, through their website, Quarantine Comics. That's comics with an X dot uh, com, which is still up and running. And if that's how you would like to purchase these comics for yourself, um, go right ahead. Of course, I think Mike might have said this, but uh, if not, uh, there will be full spoilers. So if this is something you are yeah. genuinely interested in reading uh, before listening to the show, uh, this would be your cue and warning for that. Anyway, this uh, these comics were rolled out following an announcement earlier that week that Image would not release any print or digital comics uh, for that week due to distribution struggles. Uh, so for six straight weeks, the original creative team uh, on the book put out a short comic, typically between two to four pages. Uh, and for the four weeks after that, we had short stories uh, of about equal length from a series of guest creators. Half of the profits from these comics went to Bink. That's the Book Industry Charitable uh, Foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, trying to, I'm trying to figure out what that acronym is as well. I'm not certain <laughs> if I screwed up or if some part of that is screwed up. I'm not sure because that does not seem... Book uh, Industry Charitable Foundation. That's that's literally what it is. If you go to their website, I think it's B-I, B-I lowercase n-c. That's the weird part about it. Oh, okay. I just didn't stylize it correctly. Um, <laughs> I this is not my fault. This is a bad choice. Uh, it's this probably just... a good place to donate, but it's a it's a bad choice of acronym. Uh, right. And and this uh, this foundation helps bookstore owners, booksellers, and comic book and comic store employees and owners with unforeseen emergency financial needs. Uh, another interesting fact is that according to Google, it's located inside the. Concerta Urgent Care Facility in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So if you were trying to kill two birds with one stone, and it's a very specific set of uh, birds, uh, you might be able to get that done. Um, (laughs) uh, Beyond that, on September 9th, 2020, Image published both physical and digital copies of Ice Cream Man Presents Quarantine Comics Special Number 1. It's an oversized 56-page one-shot, which we will be discussing shortly, uh, which Mm -hmm. included all six of the original stories, as well as the additional four by the uh, uh, other creative teams. Yeah, uh, 50% of the profits for this issue uh, are still going to the Comic Book United Fund, which is operated by the Book Industry Charitable Foundation. Uh, If you're interested in merch... Uh, there's a poster on the way. There are stickers you can currently buy. You can also get signed copies of the first four volumes that come with a note from W. Maxwell Prince on uh, mm-hmm. Ice Cream Man Stationery. I think Mike said he's actually picked this up himself. All of this yeah. is still available on the website from the web store. If any of this interests any of our listeners, it's still there and available as of the time of recording. Yeah. So, and I mean the 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 note that I got in my copies because I was like, oh man, these quarantine comics are coming out, and I was really excited. And then I saw they were offering this thing, and I was like, you know what? I'm happy to to throw a little bit of money towards these creators if it means that they can keep making this book in the future. And uh, yeah, I got a little note which basically was just W. Maxwell Prince kind of just meandering, just like, yeah, man, like I don't know when we're gonna get out of this. <laughs> 
<laughs> not in like a not in like a bad way by any means, but it was just kind of like a, he's clearly had written like a bunch of letters at this point. So, um, but it was cool. It's it's a very nice little special thing um, to have. So it's and I've been meaning to buy the physical copies of this book for a while anyway. So it was nice to just you know get multiple things done at once and get like kind of a, a nice little one off thing that's unique. You know, because fuck NFTs. I've actually got a letter from the author that says like you're cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'll use any excuse at this point to to just to dump on that. But anyways, Nick, let's let's talk a little bit about this this story itself. I mean, the stories, I guess, you know, we've got, you know, we, we you and I were we were talking about planning this episode and we were like, maybe we could talk about this. And then we could also talk about volume five of the series just to like get it all out there. And then we realized how much was in this book and how much there was to actually pack, unpack from the nine stories, 10 stories that we get in this one little comic book uh even for 56 pages there's still like a lot of ice cream man lore that you can unpack here but like for me this feels like the most out there collection of ice cream man stories to date but i feel like there's kind of a balance and a question of like is ice cream man a series that is just about the ice cream man himself right i think in every single story with maybe one exception the ice cream man is actually present uh in in the story but I'm also wondering, is Ice Cream Man kind of just a slightly connected series, like anthology series where W. Maxwell Prince, and in this case, the guests that he has in this issue, are they just able to try to you know experiment with stories, but kind of leaning them towards the more suspenseful horror side of things? I don't know if you got that from this, but I felt like there was definitely a lot more experimentation than in previous you know installments of the Ice Cream Man story. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's a certain amount of freedom. I think that comes with uh, such low um, page counts for stories, and also bringing in new creative teams, and also sort of the fact that this is basically an anthology take of a book that's already kind of an anthology in its own right. So now it's mm-hmm. like anthology squared, sort of, yeah, in a weird way, and. I think part of my, I don't know, the way I wrapped my brain around it was like, yes, Ice Cream Man feels like he is present in a lot of these, but he doesn't feel like an instigator or a catalyst frequently. And I think maybe the underpinning thought there, at least for me, was like, considering many of these exist within the context or subtext of the global pandemic and and Ice Cream Man kind of being a agent of chaos or 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 whatnot he sort of feels like the world has already been set upon that route and almost is just sort of kind of sitting back and it almost feels like he's like you know the world is already doing his job like for him in terms Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. um this this pathway of of you know chaos and destruction and 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 death and everything um and that was kind of my take Um, I mean, you brought up an excellent point in our notes, which is like, doesn't it feel like he is way more active, way more of a participant in the Prince Morazzo stories? Mm -hmm. And then he almost doesn't feel like he's there at all in the guest creative team issues, which is something I hadn't even thought about, but it's like spot on and... I wonder if that was just a weird coincidence or if there was almost sort of some kind of like, I'm not saying like W Maxwell Prince got like all like, you know, nobody, my character, nobody, you know, this, you know, nobody gets to play with my toys, you know, or I'm going home. Right. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I don't know if that was, I, I don't think that was probably a discussion, but maybe there was sort of, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of encouragement to be like, don't feel like you, have to do that yeah or alternatively like if you choose to do that then we need to have a bigger discussion about what you're doing you know what i mean yeah like well you know part of me wonders if the if the idea here is you know these these stories written by uh you know declan shelby dennis camp al ewing christopher cantwell like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe there wasn't a a definitive you know you can't use my character so much as imagine a world where chaos reigns supreme what kind of stories could you tell and instead that becomes it and because if you think about it like to go into one in specific creature causeway by al ewing and pj holden isn't even remotely close to any kind of thing that would exist in the 
ice cream man universe as far as i'm concerned because it's an animal crossing knockoff right right this, this to me feels instead like those stories exist in like a heavy metal style magazine where a guest comes in to do a judge dread story but they don't even do a story that features dread they do a story about like the sewer rat people that live underground under mega city and they they maybe even they don't even talk about judges they just like hint at the idea of mega city but they live in the sewers and then on like the final page it's revealed oh yes this has been under mega city one the entire time it, it, it feels to me like all of these stories really e- embrace that idea of they exist probably in the quote-unquote shared multiverse of the ice cream man universe because we have to we pretty much have to admit that that's the case right there is no like one universe or one story or one world there are multiple worlds that encompass this character and i think that the the extra four comics that we got were kind of just playing with this idea of something that i think w maxwell prince has his head or has in his head when he's writing all of his ice cream man stories is that there is a single thing that could cause this now write your story with that in mind and whatever that is we don't necessarily know as readers and i think to me it's just chaos and taking like the absurd horror of someone like an ice cream man character or like the joker or like these anachronistic characters that want to cause chaos for the sake of fun uh, or for their own fun I think that might be the the mentality that he kind of placed in these guys' head of like, what if the you know Wicker Man was a real thing inside Animal Crossing, and then Al Ewing wrote a story. Uh, that's that's maybe where they were going with it, but I don't know. Uh, and I think that us not knowing actually makes it even more interesting because if you take these four stories and then you wrap them under the guise of they take place in an Ice Cream Man universe because there's ICM like logos and words and letters everywhere across these books, like even the story by by Dennis Camp. Uh, you know, has like lickety split written in graffiti on every single panel, you know, that's as that little girl is looking out the window. So like the implication is there that Ice Cream Man is somewhat involved in the world, but I don't think it's supposed to be like a story about Ice Cream Man. I think they just take place in the same like shared multiverse that W. Maxwell Prince and and Martin Morazzo have established so far, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I guess let's, maybe we could dig in on the individual stories here. Um, I have a couple of favorites that I that I really, really liked. Um, but I'm curious to know what, what you thought of the, the overall like stories, if you had anything that stuck out at you as uh, like this is W. Maxwell Prince hiding something for the rest of us um, who've been paying attention the entire time or something. Sure. I mean, I, I, I think the story right out of the gate, which is I am what I am, a sonnet, it doesn't feel like it's a real tricky in-depth um a lot to dissect issue it just felt very honest and earnest um Mm -hmm. and you have this sort of issue that more or less has to do with i don't think he explicitly says it's w maxwell prince but i i have to believe it's him i did that's how i took it yeah i did kick around the idea of like falling down the rabbit hole and saying like is this not him but this is like a fictionalized version of him that exists Mm -hmm within the universe and has the author gone and placed his own an iteration of himself within his universe that differs from I don't know like I tried to like parse it way too hard and I think honestly it's just it's just him sort of reflecting on the fact that he knows that um you know I think in the 17th century Shakespeare Shakespeare was the 1600s. Whenever Shakespeare lived, I don't They'll know. take back my English degree, I'm sure of it. I'm not a huge Shakespeare <laughs> fan, everyone, sorry. Um, that, of course, the uh, there was a plague. Shakespeare quarantined himself. Apparently, during this period, he went and wrote King Lear, thereby setting the bar very high for the rest of us who were like, I'm going to learn a new hobby. And it's like, I'm going to write this this play. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and basically, um, Prince kind of reflects on the idea that he's sort of putting himself alongside Shakespeare and saying, look, I really didn't get that much done. It's hard for me to get anything done. You know, my productivity just isn't on the same level. And you have some interesting clues in his office. Uh, You have a poster for Bud Hickey's song rock all the time, who was the Mm -hmm. musician we followed in issue three, uh, which is sort of interesting and kind of hints at the idea that, this version of W. Maxwell Prince exists within. Well, it's weird because you have well, things that has... would suggest he exists within, but then you also have a Funko Pop in his office of Ice right. Cream Man, which would sort of suggest suggest that he exists outside of it. So, right. if you want to really fall down a rabbit hole, 
Well, I mean, you can make that posters. Out. You can make posters for fake rock bands. Nick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so i mean i i I definitely understand that because i think it's clear he's living in new york he doesn't you know hold it i think i think it's supposed to be kind of a uh, a self-representation but i you know there's nothing that says that it definitely is him Um, yeah yeah that is interesting right yeah yeah they never explicitly say they never it never explicitly says you know i'm w maxwell prince right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean you can build up that case but um and i mean beyond that uh you have the a lot of overt ice cream man touches here, but nothing that really um, suggests a folding out or building out of canon. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just what it is. Um, you sort of see a lot of what you actually saw in volume four, which is that if I remember correctly in, in four, you didn't always have stories that were really anchored or tied to the character of ice cream man himself, but you definitely Mm -hmm. had stories that suggested that there was a pervasiveness of ice cream man in the world that was just really starting to consume everything Mm -hmm. like ice cream man logos all over everything on t-shirts, on signs, on (laughs) storefronts, on beer bottles, et cetera, et cetera. And you just see, more of that in this book and Mm -hmm. i would Mm -hmm. love to pick w maxwell uh, prince's brain on this i don't know if this is just me trying to make this connection or not but it feels like there's a real intentionality to the pervasiveness ratcheting up with every single arc Mm -hmm. that was a big one true original was a real interesting biblical one if you want to get into the whole adam and eve thing I think this might be one of this is probably the story in which Ice Cream Man has the biggest role, the most mm-hmm. sustained role, uh, and he's sort of in a incarnation that is probably the most familiar iteration of him, mm-hmm. aka mm-hmm. him dressed up as the Good Humor Man, and of course he basically plays the role of the snake in the Garden of Eden, introducing them to ice cream uh, instead of the apple. God kicks Adam and Eve out, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the big hand in the sky kicks Adam and right. Eve out. And it and it gets really weird in that regard because Adam and you know, Adam and Eve suddenly realize that they're naked and that they're gonna live these like modern shitty lives. And I was like, hold on a second, hold on a second. No, like the fact that things jump from like a oh no now we've got to go have kids and Cain and Abel whatever the I have fuck, to become I don't know. a mid level manager yeah yeah mm-hmm. but that that part really f- threw me because I'm like hold on a second is this some fictional world that Ice Cream Man is created for these two people where like there's a dummy and there's this other guy and obviously Max you know Prince is trying to say something about the the idea of Adam being an idiot and Eve being the caretaker and stuff like that but I I've, I kind of thought it wasn't necessarily about a mimic of the creation story so much as it was about the, like there was this fictional world that, that Adam, this Adam and Eve lived in and ice cream man unlocks their, their memories of life. And now they have to go back to living their regular life. And if they realize that it sucks, but there's like this metaphysical hand in the sky, that's supposed to be God, but could that actually be Caleb in a way? Like, because the, the positions between, you know, Ice Cream Man and Caleb have constantly shifted, but because they both seem to kind of have these demi powers that exist. I, I don't know that I, I started to like really rabbit hole. And on you this. could also argue at this point that Caleb is dead, maybe. Sure. sure and if he's sure. dead, has Caleb returned to heaven? Is Caleb now the yeah, is this a whole father, son, and holy ghost kind of thing going on? I don't mm. know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I would say, like, there's a lot of ways to parse this story, some that feel like massive overthinking and others that don't at all. I think right. the, one, <laughs> the one detail that I would really note in this story, which I think is interesting, and I don't know if this is the first time we've seen this, I'm not sure, but it's pervasive in this volume is this representation of God or whatever as this hand in the sky. Well, it's it's, it's only in two stories, right? I think it's only in two, and I don't remember if it preceded this volume, but Mm -hmm. it's interesting nonetheless. Oh, yeah. Because the choice of using this hand 
And I don't think they ever refer to it as God. Mm-mm. They just, they just refer it to it as the, the hand. Yeah. And I think that's, I think there's a thread to pull on there. And we'll have mm-hmm. to see what happens with volume five, because I think that deliberate choice makes me think this is not God with the capital G, like mm-hmm. we think of God. I think this is something Caleb slash ICM related. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, yeah. That one, like I said, that story, if, if if you want to spend five hours unpacking one of these, you could probably spend it with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, one other one from, from the originals that I would really want to talk about, Seroquel or Seroquel is mm-hmm. one that you talked about, but I'll just say this about Convention of Mikes. I really liked Convention of Mikes <laughs> as just a little fun, it, it's just a fun little conceit of a story mm-hmm. that... I don't really think connects much to anything else has well, much with, to do with ice cream man with the exception of in the background of two panels, you do see ice cream man as one of the mics. That's the only thing that like, like there, there's a, there's one where like he's bringing out food and then there's one where like they're talking to an addict Mike and in the background you see ice cream man. So, and, okay. but he looks like he's got the same haircut. He's, so it looks like the rest of the background mics in the same style. So like, I, I, I don't know how it plays into it, but I agree. This is a really fun idea for a comic in general. Like what a fun little one shot idea. I thought it was a, a great little thing, you know? And of course, as soon as you and I both read it, we were both like, Hey, look, I'm Mike and I live in, in New Jersey. So in New Jersey. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, just this weird playing of the idea that like, what if all of the different versions of yourself, the different people that you've been uh, throughout your life, you know, the Mm -hmm. college version of you, um, like the depressed version of you, um, the midlife crisis version of you, what if they all got together and sort of had this meeting of the minds it, it's it's just it's just interesting and fun and it just feels you know unburdened from really having to do anything and it's almost a weirdly kind of almost positive or uplifting sort of idea that like you know we have all these different versions of ourselves and that's that's how it is that's not bizarre but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the other one I would really, I would really call my attention to. Um, Definitely, yeah. the The next story, you know, the pinky ring story, not really my bag. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it, it was a half thought idea that became a story. Um, like it, it's missing like a page of 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 something. You know. Yeah, I do wonder if that will link into volume five because I know. The cover for Volume 5 is the Ice Cream Man parody of Action Comics number 1. Ah. And okay. the end of the Pinky Ring story says, like, Seymour in Confection Comics. And the Confection Comics logo looks like the Action Comics font. Gotcha. So maybe there's a connection there and maybe there's nothing there. Who knows? Maybe is I mean, I, I wonder how far, you know, Prince and Co can actually push to make their own fictional Justice League. Um, right. Not that Jupiter's legacy wasn't something already. But oh um, anyways, yeah. Then there's the, you know, the story of like the one sided conversation. I actually really thought that was a fun idea, like for a short story. Uh, nothing really exceptional about it. I thought that like, you know, someone's clearly have it going through some sort of psychosis. Um, and of in the end of it with the panel of him squishing the bug back in the real world, I thought was a nice little ice cream man style touch, uh, kind of like something you would expect out of this series. Uh, I did want to talk about, yeah, the Sirocquel, uh story, which to me I thought was one of the coolest bits, if only because I've lived this kind of life before where you've been drunk in the city and you're like, you know what, I'm going to take a taxi and then, there that's is terminal this, ride. Kind of, oh, excuse me. That's terminal ride. Uh, which no, this is our, okay. Maybe I got the names wrong. Seroquel is the that's the one that's named after the psychotropic medication. That's the that's the husband and wife or gotcha. sitting down at dinner. Yeah. Well, I I already talked about that one. I want to talk about yeah. the terminal ride one, Nick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, then the, I I took this this story 
in a lot of ways. One, because I related to it, like in in that I've been that drunk person getting into a taxi, like I said. And uh, sometimes you you kind of you kind of get in a car, you know, and again, this isn't unique to New York, but it happened to me in New York. And even though you know where you're going and you've taken the route a hundred times, there's only so many bridges to cross between Manhattan and Brooklyn or Manhattan and Queens. The route that sometimes gets taken by like an Uber or a Lyft or a taxi, um, it, I almost felt like a weird nostalgia for the idea of being lost in a car that you aren't driving, which I don't know if anybody else has experienced that. But there is something very special about just this blind being blindly driven somewhere and you're not paying attention. You're half awake um, in a car. And I, I, for some reason, felt like I was like, oh, man, I haven't done that in a really, really long time. Like easily two or three years because i don't do that anymore because i'm not in my 20s but um still i I thought it was really interesting because this this story could also be taken in a lot of ways other beyond that i just the straightforward of you're getting in a car and going to a destination um because it's you know there's a question of like maybe it's about suicide maybe it's about a return to normal life after covid i i thought like there's also this thought in my head of like, maybe this is just one of those weird short stories like by James Joyce or some other, you know, American author where like nothing really makes sense. There's a context that you don't understand, but you think that it's really good writing because of that. And I don't know, I, I not trying to insult this story because I still thought it was really good, but I, I really like this, this book because it feels really hopeful. Like it doesn't feel like the traditional depressing thing. And it's got a direct, you know, inclusion of Ice Cream Man in the story. Like he's the taxi driver and he takes this person all the way to the end, which I thought was really interesting, like past the hand of God into outer space, um, riding forever and only to turn around and go back to try to return to some sense of normalcy. And to see Ice Cream Man give someone a, a second chance like that is really interesting to me. Uh, I don't know if you if you took it that way, Nick, but that was that was kind of my my take on this story. Yeah, it's, I don't, there's a lot to unpack. The story almost seems to have this meta awareness that it is the last story of the bunch, that it is Mm -hmm. the one closing it out uh, from the title uh, to the fact that the, um, the front license plate is ICMQC6, AKA Ice Uh Cream Man Quarantine Comics 6. Right. Um, there's sort of this awareness that it is uh, a point of finality, that it is the end. And I, I think as you and I talked about, um, we kind of like timed this out and this issue was coming out in like, I want to say like these issues started in early April once a week. So we're probably talking like mid-May, you know, the story mm-hmm. is rolling out at a point, um, you know, especially for New York City, where like a lot of people were like, I got to get out of here. Like... Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if, if that wasn't even happening, you know, before May, you know, there was this real, uh, attempt to flee, to get out, to go somewhere else, to sort of escape feeling like you were boxed in. And this story almost has, it feels like it has that energy of like, I just need to get out of here, but like, where are you going to go? Right. What are you going to mm-hmm. do? Mm-hmm. Um, and it even ends with this, uh, you know, the 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 car returns back to Earth because, you know, where else are you going to go? You know, what else yeah. are you going to do? I don't know. I, I think I think that context is interesting when you place it in that context of that mass exodus. Uh, yeah. And yeah, like Ice Cream Man, it, the way this story sets up, the initial conceit, the initial one page, two page kickoff it feels like the story that has the greatest potential for something terrible, terrible to happen because Mm -hmm. you have ice cream, man. It's him. He's not in some guys. It's him. He's front and center. He's got you trapped in this car. He's literally (laughs) the one behind the wheel. You're in the back helpless. He can do whatever he wants. And it feels like the most clear cut position of power or leverage and yet nothing really happens. He does what he's asked to do and mm-hmm. brings him back. And yeah, I mean, were this a normal issue, I think there would be a real pressure to really try to parse that and make it make sense and make this character make sense with all the other things that Ice Cream Man has said and done and sort of 
put this alongside it and go, how does this make sense? This doesn't really add up, but maybe it's not supposed to, as, as I said before, like in a lot of ways with everything else, that's so terrible going on at the same time, ice cream man in a lot of ways can just sort of sit back and be like, you know, I don't have a job to do. Like Mm -hmm. there's literally Mm -hmm. nothing for me to do. So, yeah. One thing I do want to remark on is that I said James Joyce and like other American writers. I want everyone out there to know that I'm not a complete idiot. I know that James Joyce is Irish. That's just been sticking in my head. I just had to make sure that I said it. (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't call me out on that, Nick. But yeah, this again, this this story to me, probably the most interesting of the of the first six. I I, overall like I really like each of these six issues, but I, I don't. I don't want to necessarily harp on those anymore. We should probably just dig into these last four um, before we run out of tape here. So, you know, the Declan Shalvey story, uh, Nature Calls with Chris O'Halloran. I I, I like your bit of notes that you had here about how this just feels like another Declan Shalvey story, but like not in a bad way. (laughs) You know, it's guys in tracksuits chasing after each other. Something's going wrong, you know? (laughs) Right, right. I really like that point. Uh, I mean, it is. It it definitely feels. It feels like that uh, Russell Brand like Guy Ritchie movie parody SNL skit. Like, mm-hmm. what was it called? Don't you go right round to rerow or right whatever. Round to re-row. <laughs> it 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 yeah. starts out basically like that. Uh, you know, just just another scene from Snatch or whatever. Well, I mean, the the only thing you needed to add, to add this to make it like bog bodies or something like that was someone to say, "Oi, you stop!" <laughs> like something like that in text, or someone someone named Tiny who's seven feet tall because right, right. those ironic nicknames have to happen. Yeah, Nature Calls was interesting. Um, I felt like everyone. I feel like every one of the guest issues was like someone feeling like, and this isn't a bad thing. Like no one should feel bad because they wanted to make literary references or, or, you know, force the reader to do more reading or do more research. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But like all of these stories were like, I'm going to force every one of these fuckers reading this to go to Wikipedia for at least 15 minutes (laughs) and read three to four um, articles deep on something, right? Mm-hmm. So, like mm-hmm. with Nature Calls, it begins with with a uh, a quote, or I guess you would say a passage from the poem "There Will Come Soft Rains," um, which was published during the ni- 1918 flu pandemic. Interesting, uh, in which Wikipedia says is quote Nature's establishment of a new peaceful order that will be indifferent to the outcome of the war, aka World War One, uh, or mankind's extinction. Which is interesting because it almost feels like that theme starts to resonate through um, several of the other stories as well. Um, Obviously, you have these two guys in the woods. They're fighting each other. We think that we understand the opposition is like this guy versus this guy. And then, you know, they're trespassing in this area that appears to be um, ice cream man territory, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then nature kills the one guy and the other guy goes, oh, thank goodness you saved me. And then it it murders him too, which is a, it's a, I mean, as we said, these stories do not feel overtly ICM oriented, either in terms of just aesthetically or in terms of just having him around. They're not, Uh, they do seem you know, you can look at this one however you want, but it almost has this idea that like humans can do act X or humans can do act Y, but in mm-hmm. the end, in nature will inevitably find its way back to whatever equilibrium uh, it wants to. Mm-hmm. So in that way, and I think you see this with the other stories, it's kind of this idea that like uh, we need to disengage from this very human oriented way of looking at the earth or you know Mm -hmm. that our conflicts are you know largely just between humans and the idea that we're all just insignificant right a real uplifting message here uh you know it's not exactly the kitten hang in here poster or hang in there poster (laughs) for sure yeah but just this idea of like humans right like humans Mm -hmm. ideas humans needs are you know whatnot are just insignificant in the big picture of things definitely right i do want to say i do want to say like shelby's art i say this about every single book that i pick up that he draws i 
his his art style and his 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 craft in general has gotten so like better and better and better and better mm-hmm. as time mm-hmm. has gone on like even just these handful of pages i'm like i'm channeling like brian bolin vibes some of the faces and some of the like strains and like especially on that last page are just so so well done i i just wish that he would draw a regular book again um and i understand like art being an artist is very hard i don't want to say like fuck you stop writing because i think his writing is pretty solid too i i just love seeing his art i absolutely love it and this this issue or just even just these four little pages um is proof that the dude is is still like at the top of his game um and he is he's unstoppable <laughs> yeah you know? no completely um but yeah the, the next story is uh what is it? Uh, it's the it's the story by Dennis Camp, um, RTM Topolin, uh, with the Ditya Bidikar, I'm guessing on letters. Uh, this is many many tekel upfarsen. I I looked up how to say this online earlier, and I still feel like there's supposed to be extra emphasis, but it's just read as is. This to me was like the other my other favorite story in this store in this uh, collection because quite honestly, it is the most intriguing one like especially the last page of it uh yeah. really really sticks with me every single time I've, I've read it so um you know the the idea here is that there is a young girl and she is her parents are arguing or i'm guessing her parents they are arguing in the background meanwhile Same. she is stuck just watching the outside world pass her by and she is drawing various things she's drawing herself being walking over a tightrope of sharks as a giant snake aliens abducting people uh, and then suddenly she sees a person in the middle of the road who causes a car crash and it is not great. I, I, there's a there's a cover of an album that I can't think of that has this face of of absolute horror. Uh, hmm. And that's the exact face that uh, was drawn in this issue. And I really, really loved it. You know, and these, these parents, they're arguing in the background about various things. And it, to me, it's pretty clear, you know, in the time of everything, these people are arguing about someone getting sick with COVID um, and having to go pick up, you know, things um, from the store and everyone's got masks on and stuff. Um, and just the, this reminds me of just early days of of COVID. And it's 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 wild how how accurate and well done this is without being like and everyone's sick now with that virus, you know, like without being in your face about what's actually happening. I think camp was able to like seriously convey what was going on with this dialogue without being overly explicit and like anxiety inducing about it. You know? Yeah. I think this is either one of, or probably the trickiest story. I think in some ways to unpack, I think there's a lot here going on. I think also it's probably one of the harder stories in the collection to stare down just because it Mm -hmm. is, pretty overt that it's like you know the place that it's coming from you know the context that it's coming from uh you know what's being discussed about covid is not a real background player in this issue it's more front and center um as you said you sort of have this dialogue it seems like it's going on between parents and i think what you can kind of uh, reduce it down to is there's sort of this back and forth almost kind of, I guess, mirroring the American discussion or even the world discussion of like, this is what I'm hearing. How seriously do I take it? This is another Mm -hmm. thing I'm hearing. How seriously do I value that? You know, I've heard this. Well, I've heard that. Well, I've heard this. Well, what am I supposed to do? And you just sort of, you know, it's, it's, it is a little hard to read partially because I think a lot of us, were um, either having these doubts or we were, you know, one of the people in this back and forth discussion with with other people we know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it 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 does take you back, you know, as you said, it does sort of bring you back to that that time and that moment. And then it's even more bizarre when you realize that, like, we're saying, yeah, it makes us kind of uncomfortable now. And then you realize this issue was rolling out like at that exact moment. And it's Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how I would have felt if I was reading this in like May, April or May of, of 2020. I think that would have been pretty hard, but yeah, apparently the, the title, if I understand it right, because I had to go like four articles deep on all of this. It sounds like Mm -hmm. it roughly uh, not really translates to, but it has to, it was sort of, 
kind of repurposed or paraphrased into the phrase that we now know as like the writings on the wall, mm. which is interesting given given the subject matter of the issue. I think this is one of the ones you could go back to two times, three times, four times, still feel like maybe you haven't picked up all the pieces. And that's not a bad yeah. thing, but it was definitely the one where I was like, I feel like I'm leaving a lot on the floor on this one that I just, I'm I'm going to have to revisit. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and especially with the bit of the little boy that suddenly becomes the panel focus in, in this, which to me is like the only depiction of Ice Cream Man that is not done by Marazzo. Um, you know, there's the implication that this kid seems to be, he has the same kind of just demeanor in the way mm-hmm. that he's drawn with the the winking eye and the smile and stuff um and i looked it up it's king crimson um in the court of the crimson king is the album cover that i'm thinking of so if you go look that up you'll see the kind of face match as to what i was talking about here with the the girl after she sees the little boy but yeah there's you know there's an interesting moment here at the end that i, I thought was really interesting or jesus let me say interesting five times but sure there's, go ahead. there's a moment at this where you know there's a person standing outside. They're sad. They look like they were someone related to the person that gets in a car wreck. And the girl, she draws someone like a shadow hugging that person. And her parents see, oh, you know, stop what you're doing. What are you doing? And she wipes the 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 the, the, the drawing that she had on the window off. And there's just this blackness that sticks around this woman that stays there in the outside after she has smudged away what she had drawn. And I thought, like, that is, like, the most interesting part of this story in that that aura that she draws around this person who has this severe loss i i thought that was super powerful i don't know something about that just really struck me in a way that like you know this story is about people you know in the background they're talking about people getting sick with covid and then suddenly this random person dies from a car wreck caused by ice cream man and it kind of puts you into perspective of of this this line of it, where's the fiction? Where's the reality coming in? Um, because if you had bit before the, the you know, bit with the ice cream man, hearing what these people were talking about, it feels so real life until this car wreck happens and you see the ice cream man's involved and you're like, hold on a second. So like how how involved in the real world is he? Um, which kind of adds this idea of like a tulpa into things. And then, you know, anyway, don't get me started because otherwise we're going to start talking about the Department of Truth. But um, uh-oh. I, I sure. really liked the the way that this one ended because it felt like there was there was just more to it that I wanted to see explored. That's all. Yeah. No, absolutely. I guess getting into the last two stories, the next one is the most absurd story in the world, Creature Causeway. This is Al Ewing and uh <laughs> PJ Holden. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. It's 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 an interesting one because I I don't think and not every story is meant to be dissected and parsed into oblivion. I don't think there's a lot to be said here. I mean, obviously it's an animal crossing, um, you know, analogy, uh, which makes sense given the time period when this was released, everybody was busy playing animal crossing and trying to not think about the pandemic. So it makes sense that we have an issue that involves that. And it's basically this weird fusion of animal crossing, with the idea that it pivots into the wicker man, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And again, this is where like, I, I feel this tongue in cheek judge dread or, you know, uh, style of, of storytelling where it's just someone kind of goofing bluntly on an idea, you know? Yeah. It's got that vaguely sinister, although it becomes more overt, obviously by the end, but it's mm-hmm. got that mm-hmm. vaguely sinister shift where things go from everything is happy and pleasant and nice and great and it shifts sort of story beat story arc tone that we see Mm -hmm. in other ice cream man stories and like i said contextually obviously there's a, a strong connection between you know people playing animal crossing during the pandemic i don't know if there's much more to it beyond that that doesn't make it any less fun or bizarre but I don't think there was anything to really overthink with this story. Oh, yeah. I don't know if there's there's much more to discuss it than like, it's a fun romp and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No. <laughs> the final story in this is Christopher Cantwell, Eoin, uh, Marin, and Chris O'Halloran. This is the story Small. The long and short of it is like 
a father loses his entire life into a train set and when he dies he becomes part of the train set yeah this is the kind of like this is the like the twilight zone style story that i would expect from an ice cream man's comic but i don't know if it belongs in ice cream man you know what i mean yeah i mean this is probably the one of the guest articles articles stories this one felt the most like something you would almost expect to see from a more conventional issue of ice cream man but you're right tonally it almost feels it feels closer to me to a conventional ice cream man story but also as you said there's definitely more of a that real twilight zone like what if right it's got that twilight zone kind of like what if conceit I really liked it. I'd never, I don't think I'd ever seen Marin's artwork before. I've obviously mm-hmm. read Cantwell's work before. Um, I thought the art was great. I thought it was sort of this interesting idea on the analogy that like this guy, this father is is sort of attracted to, or, you know, um, finds the idea very alluring that like life can be perfect. Life can be optimized. It can be controlled. And mm-hmm, for him, mm-hmm. that, ideal optimized controlled world exists within this i don't know if you would call it a train set a model train set like a model town almost yeah like a model town that he's he's built and unsurprisingly this is set against the backdrop of his own life where he feels like he can't control you know all of the stuff going on with his wife and his kids and paying for college and all these other things I mean, but to the point where he's basically like ignored his whole family. Um, yeah. It seems, you know? Yeah. I enjoyed this one because, yeah, it definitely felt closer to Ice Cream Man, but also got a little hokey in the idea that he like, oh, gets trapped within the set. And like, I feel mm-hmm. like in Ice Cream Man, maybe there would be more of a twist of like Ice Cream Man being like, welcome to hell, basically, or you know, mm-hmm. something a little bit darker than like, oh, no, I'm trapped well, in my train set. Right. And of course, as I'm paging through this one more time, I'm like, there's literally no mention of ice cream no. outside of the ice kid cream man's it. in it. He's hiding in a doorway. Oh, that little exactly. fucker. He's yeah. hiding in a doorway. I just it's terrifying it right now. It's I terrifying. Love it. I love it, though. <laughs> it's a really when I saw that, I got scared, like visibly the moment I saw him like creeping out of that doorway. I was like, oh, God damn. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a. I, this that that you know encompasses this entire little quarantine comic thing that they did i you know the the last few pages are individual drawings of uh the ice cream man hat and skull that i think I we've love seen that. in plenty yeah. of other things i like i like the different takes i especially liked the the last one by uh marin which is the ice cream man skull but inside of one of those like plastic things that you would get a model set of you know yep. like yep. i thought that was really cool but yeah this is a really interesting little one shot i mean of of stories and i feel like for i don't even remember how much i paid for it like four or five bucks uh through comiXology even though i had the digital singles i just didn't want to have to flip through seven or, or ten different four page comics because what a fucking hassle can't be bothered yeah so at I think like there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of really interesting stories here. And the fact that these were coming out, you know, once a week is is massively impressive. I think that it's uh, it obviously took a lot of planning and stuff like that. I'm sure they were ramping up on this for a couple of weeks to make sure all the stuff looked good. But man, what a what a interesting book to put together to to not only tie into Ice Cream Man, but honestly, just be a, a series of solid comics. Yeah, Absolutely. I think there's so much to to analyze here. There's a, so much to unpack, obviously, even beyond um, what we did. And and who knows if this will or won't play into future things. Like like you and I talked about, kind of the weird thing is this seemed to be rolling out right in the middle of the Arc 5 issues rolling out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it almost makes you wonder if like maybe we won't see any interplay between this and Arc 5. But maybe there's yeah. that potential that we'll actually see interplay between this and well, Arc 6. So, yeah, I mean, my understanding knows? with how Prince works, and I'm saying this on pure conjecture and I think just maybe small interviews I've read. Just the nightly pretty... call you have with him before both <laughs> yeah. of you go to bed and say goodnight. Yeah. No, he. from my understanding, he works pretty far in advance. So I'm guessing that this probably won't tie in but who knows like you know this is the opportunity for him to say like oh well i know what stories are already coming for volume five so what can we do to tie things in retroactively i think that would be really interesting to see if if we if if anything at all 
Well, we you know, know that he definitely plays the, as you said, he plays the long game. You know, we yeah, we, yeah. we we saw references in this issue going back to arc one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I don't know any any last thoughts on this, Nick. I, I like I've I've kind of said that it's I I thought think it's a great way to spend a few bucks if you want a lot of story. So yeah, yeah. There's there's just so much variety here. There's just so much variety. I think I think there's something for everyone. I I do, you know, there's so much stuff going on here that not every story will probably click with you uh in the same way that they'll click with other people, but I think there's definitely something here for for everybody. And and if this is the sort of stuff that you're interested in, of course, you mm-hmm. can um it appears that in any way that you purchase this um there will be a charitable donation if that's something people want and there is merch on that website for people who are interested in, in pursuing it in that way. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll make sure to drop uh, links in the, in the comments or excuse me, in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, I guess that, that pretty much is it. Uh, you know, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Nick at death star plans. You can follow me at Mike Rappin and you can follow the show at IRCB podcast on Twitter and Instagram. This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. You can join today for exclusive series like IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. You can join now at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show, five stars, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us spread the word about IRCB. You know, that, that five stars is a recommendation. You know, we'd like five stars, you know, if you if you feel that we deserve it. Uh, you can always join us uh, live when we record our regular episodes on our Discord. That is at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord. Feel free to join and hang out with the rest of us. we got a whole really fantastic community of people over here, and it's a lot of fun to record our episodes live. And, and we do these monthly hangouts where we chat with everybody over our voice chat. It's, it's a blast. Um, also, it would help a lot if you spread the word about the show. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your brother or sister or cousins, whoever. If they like comic books, they should be listening to our show. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander is the cool guy who edits this show in general, and he's just a fantastic person. I want to say thanks to Nick again for for sitting down and doing this with me. This is our forever series. We'll do this until the sh- to the to the comic series stops. I want to say thank you to everyone uh, who listens to the show and spreads the word. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you.